a person who imposed upon me and when I didn't jump to their crazy imposition hated me for it. And that's the norm. So my point being, all these things I've been thinking about ego and how I don't feel a need to impose myself on people, but I get, I totally overreact at times if I'm imposed upon, which is wrong because the problem is me to begin with. If I wasn't angry and resentful and carrying anger and resent towards my fellow man, I couldn't be moved by their careless actions because I understand. They believe into what they believe in. They see things the way they see. They can't help it. Isn't it true that I'm a stupid person who makes stupid mistakes? And from time to time, I'm read the wrong way. Isn't that true of me? So why am I judging them for being that way? And also, um, when I get resentful and and when I overreact, it's usually because I'm surprised. I'm surprised that somebody would zip up, zip up to me on a standing motorized scooter, you know, on a motorized scooter, somebody would zip up on me and impose into my personal space and then be upset with me for it. Completely illogical. I'm the pedestrian. Everybody knows the shared reality of pedestrian versus vehicle. Do we not all understand that? The pedestrian has the right of way. The person on the vehicle is to yield. We weren't even on the road. We were on the sidewalk. He was driving a vehicle on the sidewalk and was upset with me and hated me because I didn't jump out of his way. A complete imposition, a complete detached detachment from the shared reality. I'm the pedestrian. You're operating a vehicle. You yield to me. You use your common sense. I'm using mine, believe me. Yet he hated me. And I was surprised by that. I was surprised that somebody could hate me for imposing upon me. And therefore they hate me? I was surprised by that crazy woman when she popped up and, you know, do you got a pause for the cause? Okay, then, fuck you too. I was surprised. I'm like, wow, this woman hates me. It surprised me that they would just impose upon me and talking at me. It's like, what, do, what, what am I doing other than walking down the street minding my own business? Why is this person talking to me? Why are they imposing upon me? And why do they all of a sudden hate me? And that's the revelation, the creme de la creme. If you're a person like me, check this out because I think it may help. Walk one with your bad self. How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent November 7th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Oh, hey, how you doing? You don't mind if I have a, you don't mind if I have a quick lozenge, do you? You know, a quick, uh, you know, throat lozenge, cough drop. Not that I have a cough, mind you. You know, <coughs> coronavirus. You know, dying, kidding, living. You don't mind if I have a quick cough drop, do you? This is the first, you know, I don't like chewing gum or having cough drops or eating food on podcasts, but, you know, you get a little parch after a while, you know, a little horse in the old throat, squeaking, squawking, bitching, and belly aching on camera, you know, as a podcaster. From time to time, you do get a little parse, a little parched. I don't know if I, well, hold a second. Ricola. It's working. Ricola. Holy Toledo, it's working. But, you know, I, you know, it's on my, I can hear it clanging and clicking on my teeth. You know, I don't know. It's going to pose a threat. 
it's going to pose the threat to the fluidity of my speech pattern. I'm going to have to put a pause on this lozenge. Pardon me, folks. One quick moment. Am I off camera? Yeah. You know, I had to reach over off a of camera. I didn't want to, you know, do something as horrific as spit out a throat lozenge on camera. You know, I do care about my audience, ladies and gentlemen. There's a certain status. There's a certain standard that we try to uphold here at JRP, Jonathan Ramsey on the podcast. So thank you very much for your viewership. So if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand on the podcast, this is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, bellyache, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever, you know? We talk about current events, entertainment, the times of the times, the whole wackadoo, the whole enchilada folks, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. You can't go wrong. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles. If you are digging the show, folks, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know it truly is. Also, we are newly available on Odyssey. So check us out, you know, and do share us with your friends. Quick sip of water, water break, boss. Don't mind me, boss. Hot. Oh, yeah. You know, it's always nice to chase back a throat lozenge with a uh, sip of water. It's like that menthol... Water convection, you know, that, uh, reinvigorating stream. Yes. And if you are new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. That's been the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. Yeah. Um... Freshly shaven, smooth as a baby's bottom, you know? Ah! Kevin! <laughs> Home Alone. Uh, if you didn't get that reference from like 30 years ago, classic. Um, you know, what do we got here? Yeah, freshly shaven. You know, last month or so, last three weeks, you know, like... Due to pandemic, due to some of the hot and heavy uh, acting work, acting work that I recently finished, you know, a little foreshadowing, I was doing an acting project recently where I had to have a little bit of a scruff. So it was like a, you know, two month arduous task of growing a beard. So I had this scruff going for like two months. And then during pandemic, you know, haircuts, hair salons, you know, they weren't quite operational. I was used to getting my hair cut monthly, shaving weekly. I like to always be clean shaven. But due to pandemic and due to this film work that I had been working on, I was getting into them weeds, boy. I was out there in the brush, you know. You know, I was dynasty duck hunting, big scruff going, big fucking afro, driving me nuts. You know, had that gall darn monkey scruff going, driving me nuts. Well, today I'm freshly shaven, you know. I heard a funny uh, joke on a uh, old-time radio program uh, from, like, years back. The uh, main character, you know, he's in a barbershop chair, and he's all lathered up. And somebody comes and taps on his shoe, right? Taps on his chest. He's poking on the guy's chest. And the guy in the barber chair goes, Hey, that's my chest, not a buzzer, buddy. What do you want? That's my chest, not a buzzer, buddy. What do you want? The guy goes, I need to talk to you. 
guy in the chair goes, Well, he's a barber. He ain't going to say nothing. Or, how'd the joke go? He's a barber. He's not listening. (laughs) You know, like the tendency for a barber to always talk and talk and talk. Uh, That's one of the headaches of going to a barber shop, you know. They run you ragged with their fucking woes and tales of torment. It's just like, would you just shut the hell up and cut my hair, buddy? Right? That's my chest, not a buzzer, buddy. Oh, yeah? Well, what do you want? Well, I need to talk to you. Well, he's a barber. He's not listening. (laughs) Something like that, right? Anyway, clean shaven. And, um, you know, feels good. And I'm going to keep doing it because um, that's really how I like to be. Freshly shaven. I feel a little bit wild with that beard and, you know, full head of hair. You know? Telling you, boy, it's hot. (laughs) And, uh, you know, feeling pretty groovy. You know what I mean? Winding down this uh, 2021 season, you know? Here we are in November. And, you know, I made good. I made good on some of my goals for this year. And with this acting project that I mentioned, a little foreshadowing, Um, I'm going to share it with y'all as soon as I can, believe me. And I'm very proud of the work thus far. Very proud of the work I did. And, um, you know, we're going to see something very shortly that I can share with all my viewers and listeners here at JR the P, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. And, you know, much to come. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramtran, actor extraordinaire. Yes, I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. How many years in the biz now? I am... uh, mm, uh, 2018, Coming up 13 years. On the precipice of 13 years, a stand-up comedian, ladies and gentlemen. And damn proud of it. And again, 2021, a monumental year in my career as a stand-up comic. A lot of challenges, pandemic, you know, independent shows, even, um, you know, from the, you know, from the scum of the earth, the bottom, from the bottom barrel, the bottom rung, such as yours truly, independent artists, shows around the globe canceled for the most part. Even to the top of the top, the creme de la creme, you know, arena, arena acts, they were having trouble as well. So it was a tough, tumultuous year for the live performance. Um, and here I am, uh, very proud, on the precipice of a new year, end of 2021. Here we are in November, and I did kick some ass as a stand-up comedian in 2021. And again, a little foreshadowing, soon to be revealed. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Quick sip of water, balls. Another water break, balls. Don't mind me, balls. Oh, yeah. Um, been busy. Busy as a bee, busy as a beaver. Um, I haven't had time for my hobbies as of late, you know. I love to read, avid reader. The last book I finished uh, was in the earliest part of um, 2021, the earlier part of 2021. I had read Up From Slavery. Swing low, sweet chariot. Is that a slave hymn? I don't know. But I read Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington earlier in this year. Wow. What a book about race relations, overcoming, um, 
industriousness, industrialness, industriousness. What's that word when you are self-sufficient and you work with your hands and you do for yourself? Industrious. A book about being industrious. A book about um, family dynamic, um, social uh, conduct. You know, one's connection with the society around them. Many points of insight and inspiration. Up from slavery, Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington, a former slave. I think he spent the first seven years of his life in slavery. By the age of seven, I believe, he was, you know, released from slavery. And then he worked his ass off as like a, you know, a tradesperson, a farmer, a, a grunt. Just like cheap labor, busted his ass, sought a higher education, got himself educated, got himself skilled in trade work, got himself skilled in trade work and overcame and became a voice coming out of slavery in the United States and a unifying factor in race relations. He actually brokered and built a bridge between Southern blacks and Southern whites in a face of a new day, post-slavery. A time when people could be very... I hate to say the word, but almost... Um... Vindicated in their resentment, if that's the word I want. You know, like, how could you begrudge a former slave for having resentment? Yet, he built a bridge and a way forward for blacks and whites to exist. Up from Slavery by Booker T. Washington. Wow. What a useful tool in this time when we're seeing, you know, so much strife between cultures. Up from Slavery by Booker T. Washington. Highly recommended. So I read that um, earlier this year, but then I got a little busy, a little busy, you know, I recently started my own production company, Noi Productions, a production company where I can wet my beak, so to speak. Various vodcasting and podcasting streams. I want to start, you know, different content in that nature, interviews, guests, the whole kit and caboodle, the whole wackadoo, the whole enchilada, you know, I want to broaden my horizons in the podcasting, vodcasting market. I want to do feature film, documentary, sketch, skit, scat, skadoodle, the whole kit and caboodle. Noi Productions. So I've been busy, you know, up at the crack of dawn, doing what I got to do to keep the lights on, you know. I work a Joe job, day labor, day gigs, whatever I can do, like Booker T. Washington. Just piecing shit together. Well, I'm not quite like him, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'll take some white ass, some white pussy any old day of the week. But, um, okay, a disgusting little joke, you know. I am somewhat of a comedian, you know. Anyway, um, you know, not quite like a Booker T. Washington, obviously. I wasn't born in bondage. But, um, you know, uh, humping it out like a fucking grimy, real-life grimy. You know, just digging ditches shuffling around materials on a construction site, mopping down a fucking urinal, you know, janitorial, manual labor, you know, whatever I got to do to turn a lousy buck, you know what I mean? Believe me, I was going to do it, balls. Yeah. So I've been busy this fucking year, right? And like, um, you know, with my production company, with working and shit, my hobbies kind of slid away from me. Haven't been able to read as much as I generally would like, you know, 
I was in the midst of um, a very well-known and influential novel. I was reading it um, this past summer. Here we are in November. Beginning of summer, I, I dived into this novel and I was just like hook, line, and sinker into it. But then I got very busy. Noi Productions was calling me. Had to do a lot to keep the, you know, wheels turning. Then I had to work, you know, support myself as a man. You know, I had to pay my bills. I had to put food on my table. I had to keep up uh, Noi Productions. So I was hot and heavy. I was in Dutch, baby. Like, I was doing double duty. The production company, everyday working, the podcast, you know, type of shit that makes you sick to your stomach. I'd rather just snap my fingers and have it all. Some days. But there is beauty in the hustle, you know, beauty in the struggle. So the hobbies have been taking a back burner, you know, reading, um, bass guitar playing, you know, slapping the old bass, you know, that's one of my hobbies. I haven't been doing that in a minute either. Been preoccupied, busy as a fucking bee, busy as a beaver, so to speak. Anyway, very excited. Um, Winter is generally the time of year where things slow down. It's like that old fable, you know? The ant and the grasshopper, you know? The grasshopper, you know, he's jumping around all day long, you know, and, you know, singing, you know? How do you, you know, how do, how do grasshoppers sound? It's like... That's kind of how grasshoppers sound in a sense, right? Oh no, here we go. Here, this is how I think a grasshopper sounds. No, do I look like a fucking grasshopper to you? I'm considerably larger, aren't aren't I? Anyway, you know how grasshoppers are. They're singing in the grass and, you know, hopping around all the live long day. Well, an ant, you know, they're like the little worker ants. They're marching around single file, collecting, you know, whatever it is that they collect, you know, like leaves and stuff. Ant colonies, organization, just busting their ass, right? So it's like that old fable, you know, the grasshopper, he's hopping around all day and the little ants are marching around doing their work. Come winter time, poor little grasshopper, little rapscallion and as spirited as they are, they die. Whereas, you know, the ants are, you know, prepared for winter. It's like that fable. (coughs) And I don't even know if that's true. I mean, I don't know what happens to grasshoppers or ants during the winter. Do they hibernate? Do they just die? And then the next breed comes along? I don't know. But anyway, you know. Similarly, I busted my ass, made hay while the sun shined. Here we are coming into... um, Winter, uh, slowing down a bit. So I hope to pick up my hobbies full steam ahead. And I hope to make a concerted effort to keep them more attainable and alive in my life. You know, truth be told, there were many times when I could kick back and read a book. Or, you know, kick back and, you know, have an hour or two to play bass. I could have done it, but I'd been very preoccupied with the things that I had to do and also kind of, you know, lazy. And I think that's relatable to anyone, 
you know, and I guess now that we're coming around the corner, going into winter and into the new year, it's a good time to take stock of that. So that's definitely what's been on my mind. I'm going to focus my way forward on that. And, you know, it's a lifelong journey. Learning, you know, like that's basically what I'm talking about, learning. Like I'm not a master bass guitar player, and I'm obviously not the smartest motherfucker that ever lived. So it's a lifelong journey to learn. And that's kind of what a hobby is. It it fills the mind. It fills the spirit. It It brings out the best in you to push yourself to learn and experience and grow in something. You know what I mean? There's a very spiritual nature to working with your hands. I mean, a big part of musicianship is your hands and the skill needed to play. And then the knowledge of, um, you know, how chords go together or how to create the sounds you hear, and then also the spiritual aspect of it. See, I wasn't quite blessed with the inner spiritual knowing of a true musician. I can maybe learn a song if I listen to it a few times and, you know, fuck around and, I don't know, maybe I get those cheat tabs. You know, I go on like tabs, tabcrawler.com or whatever for any of y'all guitarists and bassists out there. Or even piano. Piano, I think they have them too. Tab crawler. You know, you go get these cheat sheets and they tell you how to play the song or, you know, there's all sorts of little shortcuts. But when there's a deeper knowing, it's almost like it's just there for you to do. So I wasn't quite blessed with that as a musician. So that's why it's my hobby. And that's why I still enjoy doing it because, you know, it challenges me and it's important to me and it's something that I really do appreciate, but it doesn't come 100% natural to me. Whereas acting and stand-up comedy and the writing and the ability to process literature, I mean, as a comic, you have to write your own material and have a certain understanding of literature and crafting a stage script you know that's basically what your act is it's a staged script sure it's your jokes sure it's in your own rhythms sure it's open to improvisation but it's like you know a script nonetheless in same way as an actor it's then you're interpreting a script something that somebody else wrote and then you're taking direction from a director and then you're trying to you know, find and deliver the meaning that the original writer intended. Intended. Then you're working with a cast, you know, other actors, other actresses, and it's an ensemble project. And, you know, there's there's a lot of um, technicality to that, just as much as there's technicality in musicianship. The only difference is, as an actor and as a comic... I have a natural understanding, an inner knowing on how to do it. You know what I mean? Now, 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 granted, who who don't shit the bed from time to time in whatever career field, but I just have a natural knowing on top of the technical skills. Whereas with a musicianship, I don't have much talent and I don't have much natural knowing and I don't have much technical skills. But I do have a desire and a want. And um, that feeds me enough for a hobby. So I've been doing that for a long time now. I've been playing bass haphazardly. And, um, you know, looking forward to opening up more engagement with the simple pleasures of life. Kicking back with a book having a cup of tea, expanding your mind, picking up the bass, running down a few bass licks, a few bass lines, slapping that motherfucker. And uh, it's all groovy. Faux show. Quick sip of water, boss. Don't mind me, boss.
Uh, yeah. So expect a full report coming from me soon in regards to reading and bass guitar playing. There's some definitely interesting... I just spent like um, something like 150 bucks on books. I went on a book tear, you know? I'm sick of going to the library. Too many fucking miscreants. People like live at the library, you know? And this was going on pre-pandemic. This is not something that you can blame on the pandemic. There's a lot of fucking stragglers and wackos and weirdos out there, unfortunately, in a vicious cycle of negativity. And when that happens, unfortunately, as a empathetic person, as a person who's been down on their luck himself, you look at those things and you say, damn, I understand why they're there. And a lot of reasons are completely unjust. It's true. A lot of these people that suffer from you know, addiction or mental health, they were dealt a certain raw deal. They had fucked up parents and negative influences around them. That's true. And they must overcome that. And that's the sad part because it's like, yeah, it's true. They did get misled in life at some point, And it is tragic. Not everybody has that support system. And it's sad because they have to overcome, they have to see it for themselves, and they have to do it for themselves. And in doing that, opportunities from, you know, people that are a little bit more able will come. You'll meet that person that sees, oh, this person could use a little break. Okay, let me, okay, I'll throw you this. You know, you're willing to do what you're doing, I'm willing to meet you halfway. And, you know, people are kind that way. But you can't be 100% reliant on anything or anyone to just pluck you up and change your life. You got to do it yourself. So anyways, pre-pandemic, there were all sorts of fucked up people milling about at the library. People like tend to like live in the library in urban metropolises. It's sad. It's like they see a system where it's like, oh, hey, I can go lay around there all day buy drugs, sell drugs, use the free internet, and just occupy space in my own fucked up delusional world. And then they go and they just, they bring all their nastiness and fucked up ways to the library. And, you know, you'll have little kids going to the library, checking out their first book for the first time. Then you'll see, scraggling around, begging for change, yelling. I've seen people throw books at libraries. They'll come in and, ah, fuck you, yeah, picking books off tables and throwing them around, causing disturbances. And for that very reason, I no longer go to the library. I'm a long-time, lifelong lover of libraries and alliteration. And, um... I love libraries. Not so hot on them lately. Just too much negativity there. So I don't know. I may return to them at some point, but I basically avoid them. But I recently just spent like 150 bucks on books. I just went on a book tear. I want to read this. I want to read that. I want to read that. And I just bought all this shit on Amazon. So, you know, you know. If you're an avid listener to JRP and you can relate to some of these things and the importance of a hobby, the importance of reading books, and the importance of trashing people that are suffering, you know, mocking the mockable, <laughs> then, you know, stay tuned for some of this, uh, you know, upcoming in-depth discussion on some of the reads that I'm going to be diving into. Most certainly do. And before I get out of here, folks, I want to talk to y'all about um, something that has very much been on my mind and a central focus. Definitely this last year in podcasting for me here at JR the P. And it's that idea of ego. I've been fighting to overcome my own ego. And one of the biggest revelations 
that, you know, I've been shown that I see now is that whenever I have a problem with another person, it is 100% me. Me at fault. Now I've come through a gamut of different guideposts in my spiritual journey. I believe in God. I was raised a Christian man. Of course, I didn't always follow a Christian lifestyle. But today, I feel I am. Uh, I've went through recovery programs, 12-step recovery from alcoholism, which just is another way of being turned away from God. Suffice to say, I've had the benefit of some of the information in 12-step recovery, much of which is based on, not solely, but there is a very large spiritual element to 12-step recovery programs, a faith in a higher being, a higher power, a power of your choosing. For me, I believe in God. I was raised Christian. I seek that path to each their own. That's generally the principle in 12-step recovery. Um, Live and let live to each their own. So if you are are a person seeking 12-step recovery, I'd like it to be known that, generally speaking, you're not imposed upon in regards to religious beliefs. So I've had the benefit of my belief in God, my Christian upbringing. I have the benefit of 12-step recovery. I've had the benefit of um, podcasting. There's so much great content online. People talking about these issues of life. And, you know, I've come to realize that, you know, whenever I have this problem with another person or whenever I'm seeing myself get angry or resentful, the problem is always 100% me. I'm the problem. It's my own ego. Right? I have a need to be right and to make others wrong. When the truth is, if I was in my own lane, unpreoccupied with what other people are doing, the careless words and actions of others could not affect me. See, ego can be very tricky. How I define it for myself is basically, um, I don't quite know the definition, but I know a problem. And one of the problems is where I don't impose upon people, I don't find a need to tell people how it is and let them know who I am. I don't have a need to impose my opinions and beliefs on people. You know, I mean, this is a podcast that, I appreciate people viewing and listening to, though you come here freely. If we were to meet in public, I would never just give you my opinion, give you my uh, thoughts and opinions and impose my will and try to make myself be seen a certain way. Like, that's not a part of my bag. That ain't my bag, baby. You know what I mean? I'm not an imposer. I used to be. I used to be a very obnoxious person, Um, Part of being a performer, just a camera whore, obnoxious person, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that. Look at me, hear me, see me. It's about me. Uh, Not like that at all anyway, anymore. Not like that anymore. Just I do my own thing and I respect others. But where my ego creeps up is when I'm imposed upon. And you're most certainly going to be imposed upon in this lifetime because, as I mentioned, we live... Well, actually, I haven't mentioned this, but in previous episodes, I sing it to the hills. We live in a world of cynicism, motivated upon self-interest. Nobody really cares. They're into themselves. It's all about them. They prorate 
situations to their own benefit, which is not entirely a bad thing, as the economist Walter E. Williams pointed out. His example was, you know, all right, why do farmers get up at the crack of dawn? They're plucking pigs. They're, you know, pork and chickens. They're feeding ducks and turtles and the whole kit and caboodle. Why are they up at the crack of dawn farming? Because they care about society? Their altruistic love for their fellow man? No. It's because they can make that money selling agriculture. So self-interest serves the general public. When you put out good work that you can support yourself with, it in turn is useful to society. One hand washes the other. And there is a certain degree of grace and compassion that we can have for our fellow man. But to be like, you know, offering handouts and completely self-reliant on others is just not a way to be. Just not good life skills. So, you know, it's not as dreary as it may sound, I don't think. It's just, you know, you do for you, I do for me, we respect each other, and, you know, we get along, and life opens up, opens up for us all. When you do for yourself, your life is open, open to you, right? So, you know, there is some beauty and grace in that. It could be tough. It could be trying. And, of course, we all need a helping hand from time to time, certain degree. But generally speaking, 99% of the time, you got to stand up for yourself. So, that's the way it is. And there's grace and beauty in that. And, um, you know, when it comes to that ego, again, I find myself... Not imposing upon others, but boy, do I get resentful and riled up when people impose upon me, which they're most certainly going to do because, as I mentioned, cynicism, that world of cynicism that we live in, people don't even think twice about it. Perfect example. We hear quite a bit around the world, whether it be in the Western world where it's a little bit more tame, a little bit more uh, petty, just, you know, I mean, I mean, it's petty all the way around, murder. So not to relegate it to a certain place on the globe, wherever you are in the world, you're going to find that there are people that kill, kill one another. Whether it be motivated by money, lust, greed, envy, jealousy, the trappings of the heart, just any negative, ugly, hateful, sinful uh, thing. Murder. It's everywhere. And a lot of times for no reason. No real reason. You know, is there ever a reason to murder someone? It's all in one's own ego and to impose their will, their anger, their resentment on another person. You know, the ultimate ending of a life. Murder. And a lot of times, pointlessly. So if people are willing to do that, imagine the influx and everyday norm of microaggression. People just, you know, with their careless words and actions, cutting people off in traffic, acting like a bully, talking this way, talking that way, puffing their chest up, you know? I mean, a lot of people, in my opinion, would murder if they weren't such cowards. Not that it's particularly brave to be a murderer, but you are stepping into another realm of accountability when you commit such a heinous act. It's like the old saying, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Most people will stop and think and consider, hey, I can't do that time. So they don't commit a murder. But if it was complete anarchy and there was no accountability, you better believe that a lot of people would murder. 
There's a lot of people out there that are just that angry and resentful and hateful. And if they could murder by remote control, snap a pit, snap a finger and wipe you out, they would. There's a lot of people like that. Example. I'm walking down the sidewalk the other day and I see this teenager, tweenager, zipping up next, zipping up towards me on one of them electric scooters, one of those electric mopeds or scooters, like, you know, the standing electric scooter. He's like zipping up next to me, right? And there wasn't much time for me to move. And the ground was kind of uneven. And I'm thinking to myself, well, he's the one piloting it. I should let him choose which way to move. Because if I make a sharp movement to the right, and then he tries to counterbalance, and then he falls off, he might get hurt. Like, I was actually thinking about him. Because I'm like, he's going very fast. If I make any sharp movement, it might distract him. And... I know that I can move quick enough if I have to. I could just quickly step aside or whatever. I'm like, I'm just kind of leaving it towards him, right? I'm like, what's this guy doing? Why is he zipping up to me this quickly, right? And I know that if I have to move in a split second, I could. And really, it's all on him. I knew that I would be okay, but I was thinking about him. I was like, what what do I do? Like, is he going to communicate to me what he wants to do? No, he just zips up on me. on his little fucking standing moped and he was looking at me. Staring at me. Hate. Pure hate and anger. Just glaring at me. This little fucking teenager, teenage boy, full of anger and hate. Message was clear. Get the fuck out of my way. And it was amazing to me. I'm like, 10 seconds before our interaction, he didn't even know I existed. 10 minutes, 10 seconds, 10 seconds before our interaction, 10 seconds, he didn't know I existed. And in that 10 seconds, it was clear that he hated me. A person he didn't even know, a stranger. His his head and his heart are so filled with anger, he just hates the people around him. He hated me. He absolutely hated me. He was just staring at me. It's just like, what, because I exist? What, because I don't hop out of your way when you come zipping up on me like an idiot? You hate me? And that's how crazy the world is. People will just murder somebody for no reason because of lust and greed and just complete cynicism, self-motivated ego. (laughs) Another example, this one was a little bit more demented. Again, yesterday, I'm walking down the street and I see this crazy lady. I can tell she's crazy. She's just got that beam, that beam of crazy energy, right? I was like, uh, I see her rustling around her, and I'm like, uh. and as I'm walking, she tries to stop me, right? She she goes, I respect you. I respect you. And she like, she just does a pose and like puts her hand out towards me as in to stop. But I just keep walking, right? I just kind of turn to the, you know, I give her um, a wide berth. You know, I kind of step to the side and I continue walking, like not stopping me, right? So I move out of the way and I keep walking. And she goes, do you got to pause for the cause? Do you got to pause for the cause? And I was like, like, no, sorry. And she goes, okay, then fuck you. Get out of my way then. (laughs) Okay, fuck you. Get out of my way then. She says to me. And I just laugh. I'm like, okay, cool. Take care. And I just kept walking. And yeah, that's a person a little bit more disconnected than that tweenager on the moped, which I was just talking about. This person is considerably more detached, a street woman and her craziness, but still, I don't personally quite believe into mental illness that way. It's like 
She's a person who made a series of bad choices in her life, whether it was influenced by some true heartbreak, like maybe she was truly mistreated by her family, friends, and spouse. Maybe this was just true, that she was dealt a tough hand. Doesn't excuse the fact that she bought into a lie, and basically her problem is this negative outlook, negative outlook, negative outlook, negative outlook has consumed her. And she has believed into this lie. Everything's negative. Everything's nonsensical. She's living in her own world of negativity. And the things that she say are completely nonsensical. She tried to stop me as if she is the ruler and conductor of my world. Halt. She put her hand up to halt me on a public sidewalk. That's a complete detachment from reality. At least the shared reality that we live in. So I step to the side and I keep walking. Then her words to me are, do you have a pause for the cause? I say, no, sorry, I don't. Her words to me are, okay, then fuck you. Get out of my way. She stepped into my way. She tried to pause me. I said no to her request. And her response was, okay, then fuck you. Get out of my way. That's not quite that detached, to be honest with you. That's how most people think. Fuck you. Get out of my way. You're in my way. This is my world, my life. You're just living in it. Fuck you for existing if you don't stand in line with what I tell you. Fuck you for existing. Get out of my way. I don't think that's really that detached. I think that was an honest exclamation of what most people think and feel. Okay then, fuck you, get out of my way. When it was completely the opposite. She imposed upon me, stood in my way. I said, no, you're not going to impose upon me and you're not going to stand in my way. And no, I don't have a pause for the cause. And I lived my life. And her response to me living my life was, fuck you, get out of my way. Which isn't, again and I repeat, it isn't that detached when you really think about it. Might sound kind of crazy, but it's really not. Because I feel that's how most people actually think and believe in their heart of hearts. In their cynical, self-centered mind. In their imposing nature. Mask mandates. You know, um, you know, we want to tax people and take their money for our cause. We want to tell you what to say in regards to gender pronouns and pronunciation and shape your reality of how you see basic human nature. You know, gender groups and classes. We want to impose our will upon you. And if you say no, then fuck you. Get out of my way. When the obvious thing is, no, you're crazy and you imposed upon me. And all I did was say, no. Just like Junior, just like Junior there on the little stand-up motor scooter, he comes zipping up to me. I'm a pedestrian. There's the agreed reality that we live in in this world that the pedestrian has the right of way. He was on a motor-sized, he was on a motor-operated vehicle. I was a pedestrian on a sidewalk. He zipped up to me. There wasn't much time for me to calculate what type of movement I should make. I assessed the situation. I figured, hey, he's the one who's got to pick a direction. And either way, I'll be fine because I can move out of the way at the last second if necessary. It was only a motorized scooter. If it were a car, I would be leaping out of the way. But seeing as it's a motorcycle, seeing as it was a scooter, I figured, okay, let him pick the course here because any sharp movement might knock him off his scooter. And I know I can get safely out of the way if I need to. He imposed upon me. He came into my space. He took his vehicle and drove it into my personal space. 
a personal space that is obvious as a pedestrian. And what was his uh, response to me? It wasn't, oh, sorry, sir, that I zipped up on you on a motorcycle or on a moped, almost running you over with my motorized moped. Sorry about that, sir. No, that wasn't his response. His response was a um, child-minded glare. Granted, he was a child, but he was just glaring at me with hate. A person who hated me for no reason. A person who imposed upon me, and when I didn't jump to their crazy imposition, hated me for it. And that's the norm. So my point being, all these things I've been thinking about ego and how I don't feel a need to impose myself on people, but I get, I totally overreact at times if I'm imposed upon, which is wrong because the problem is me to begin with. If I wasn't angry and resentful and carrying anger and resent towards my fellow man, I couldn't be moved by their careless actions because I understand. They believe into what they believe in. They see things the way they see. They can't help it. Isn't it true that I'm a stupid person who makes stupid mistakes? And from time to time, I'm read the wrong way. Isn't that true of me? So why am I judging them for being that way? And also... Um, when I get resentful and when I, and when I overreact, it's usually because I'm surprised. I'm surprised that somebody would zip up, zip up to me on a standing motorized scooter, you know, on a motorized scooter, somebody would zip up on me. And impose into my personal space and then be upset with me for it. Completely illogical. I'm the pedestrian. Everybody knows the shared reality of pedestrian versus vehicle. Do we not all understand that? The pedestrian has the right of way. The person on the vehicle is to yield. We weren't even on the road. We were on the sidewalk. He was driving a vehicle on the sidewalk and was upset with me and hated me because I didn't jump out of his way. A complete imposition, a complete detached detachment from the shared reality. I'm the pedestrian. You're operating a vehicle. You yield to me. You use your common sense. I'm using mine, believe me. Yet he hated me. And I was surprised by that. I was surprised that somebody could hate me for imposing upon me and therefore they hate me. I was surprised by that crazy woman when she popped up and, you know, do you got a pause for the cause? Okay, then fuck you too. I was surprised. I'm like, wow, this woman hates me. It surprised me that they would just impose upon me and talking at me. It's like, what, do, what, what am I doing other than walking down the street minding my own business? Why is this person talking to me? Why are they imposing upon me? And why do they all of a sudden hate me? And that's the revelation, the creme de la creme. If you're a person like me, check this out because I think it may help. I don't have the need to impose upon people. But when I'm imposed upon, I get resentful and I overreact. And what I think is going to help me moving forward is number one, the realization that it's about me, 100% my fault. If somebody imposes upon me, that means that I have been imposed upon. And if I get angry, it's because I have my own resentments and anger that I haven't dealt with. They've moved me to something that was already there. They can't move me to anger if I'm not angry. They're just bringing out what was already there, right? So there's that. But what triggers that anger is the surprise. The surprise that people would impose upon me. The innocence. It's like, I'm innocent. I was standing here minding my own business and I'm innocent. Why are they imposing upon me? And that's the fuse. That's what lights the fuse to the anger and the resentment. 
It's that surprise. The surprise that, wow, people are crazy. And that's what I learned. It's like, oh, wow. I got to walk out the door knowing that and something that I've been taught and, and reminded of, taught and reminded of from Jesse Lee Peterson, prominent uh, media personality, reverend, uh, author, um, you know, he has his own website for his um, business that he's been running for like 30 plus years, Bond, the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. They do counseling. They do, um, you know, services to rebuild the man, rebuild the family. That's their um, focus. And what Jesse Lee Peterson has taught me and reminded me with his work is that, um, you know, this is a spiritual battle. 100%. And when you walk out that door every morning, you can't be surprised that you're going to be attacked spiritually. And in some cases, the spiritual anger of people is so crazy and detached that they will attack you physically. God hope that that's not the truth that comes to the average person. But we do see that in times of, you know, you see these horrible mass shootings, terrorist attacks. You hear these stories of people abducting, raping, murdering people. And you think to yourself, who would do that? Who could be that spiritually detached to attack, rape, murder, beat an innocent person? Who would do such a thing? It's a person that has been so ravaged spiritually that would do that. That's a heightened level of spiritual unaccountability. And the micro level, which is basically the everyday norm, is these microaggressions. Fuck me, then fuck you. Cut me off in traffic, then I'm going to beat my horn, whiz around next to you and scream at you and fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Fist fighting at bars, domestic disputes, um, backstabbing, lying, cheating, embezzlement, all the stupid, ugly minutiae of this careless, unthinking world. That's a spiritual battle and you cannot be surprised by it. But we do, and at least myself, I know this to be true. I have to overcome that. I can't believe I still get surprised when I'm imposed on and when I'm spiritually attacked, when somebody has the need to prove me wrong, when it's like, you don't have the, you shouldn't have the need to say anything to me. It's like, you don't pay my bills. You don't cut me a paycheck. I don't work for you. We're not married. You're not my father. You're not my mother. Why are you so invested in what I do? Well, there's that spiritual battle. People need to control everything in their life and around them. And that includes others. As illogical as it may seem. Because it's a spiritual battle. So, you know, I got to thank Jesse Lee Peterson for um, reminding me of that. You know, um, 12-step recovery, if you're all out there and you need it, definitely. I got a lot of wisdom from that. Definitely got a lot of insight from that. You know, and God. You know. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ram Duran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent November 7th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Yeah, you cannot be. And I will not be. Well, I'm going to try to be. 
I'm gonna try to not be surprised by being spiritually attacked or the careless impositions of people around me. That is what triggers anger and resentment. Just know what's coming. Drop your anger, drop your resentment. Overcome. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gangs, guffaws, chortles, you know, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight. Peace.